talking about the simplicity in Christ and the sufficiency of His grace today. Um, so this is definitely going to be talking about our salvation. And it's not a very popular message, if you will, because, of course, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, definite article, the, he's not saying, I am one of the ways. He's not saying, I am one of the truths. You know, people say, oh, all roads lead to heaven, or all truths are God's truth, and, you know, He's not saying, I am one of the lives. He says, I am definitely the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. So it's not a very popular message, um, but it's a very important one. And it is because of this message, it, it is on this message, if you will, that the foundation of this church, or supposed to be any church, is built upon. Because what use is a church if it is populated by unregenerate or unsaved members? Remember when you're unsaved, we talked about a couple of Sundays back, then you are spiritually dead. Then what use is it if we talk about spiritual things to spiritually dead people? Right? So, it's an unpopular message but it is a very needful message. If you have somebody who you know is not saved or is struggling with this, please feel free to send them this link. But please just say, start in like the 20th minute, not, not with all the singing, because from the singing, they might say, all right, I'm, I'm not gonna listen to this anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just so they know where to start. Um, but before that, let me just read a couple of things over here. Um, and please bear with me. This is going to sound very mean. That's not the point here. And I'm, I definitely put my notes on here to be nice because these are real people. These are real articles. And I can, sh I can tell you the, the things, or, I mean the um, references, but they also have some real heartaches. So I'm not trying to be mean. I just want to use their story as, uh, as an illustration, as a jumping board, all right? You know what, let's pray first. <laughs> let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you, Lord. Um, we have some brothers and sisters in this place. I know there's a lot who wants to be here, but they can't because of that smoke outside. We ask for everyone's help. Please take care of them, and protect them, and even our way back home. I know the roads are dangerous right now. But we ask that you would help us put our thinking caps on because this is a really important message. And um, you ask that you would set ourselves aside and being offended might get in the way, but help us to put that aside and just listen to what you have to say. Not what Brother Francis has to say, but what you have to say through your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, this is from an article from uh, ABC News. Don't, yeah, I know, I know, don't worry. I'm not, don't worry about the, the sources, but it's, an, it's a real thing that happened. 
And it happened way back in February 17, 2014. Again, not trying to be mean, but just listen for a bit, okay? It's, the title is Snake Handling Pentecostal Pastor Dies from Snake Bite. The snake handling pastor of a small Pentecostal church in Kentucky died after being bitten by a rattlesnake during a weekend church service. Jamie Coots, the pastor of the Full Gospel Tabernacle in Jesus' Name in Middlesboro, Kentucky, was handling a rattlesnake during a service when he was bitten on his right hand Saturday night. But when the ambulance arrived at 8.30 p.m., the EMS team found that Coots had gone home according to a statement from the Middlesboro Police Department. So yes, there are churches around the country and around the world who have snake rattling, or snake, not snake rattling, snake handling services. And yes, rattlesnakes are dangerous. To continue, Middlesboro Police Chief Jeff Sharp told ABC News that according to people at the church, Coots verbally refused treatment at the church. He said Coots was unconscious when he got to his house. When the ambulance crew arrived at Coots' home, his wife, Linda Coots, signed a form declining medical treatment, police said. Why? I'm not sure. Um, emergency personnel left about 9, 10, 9, uh, the 10th you know, minute of 9pm that night. When they returned about an hour later to check on Coots, police said he was dead from a venomous snake bite. I'm not reading the whole thing, but I go down over here. It's uh, skipping, 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 skipping. It's estimated that 125 church, churches back in this writing in 2014 in the United States use poisonous snakes during services today with many clustered in the South. In tiny churches tucked away in rural Appalachia, Snake handling is a long-standing tradition, one that took root in this region more than a century ago. Again, not trying to be mean. Sorry for his family. Sorry for their loss. But this is where I want. This is what I wanted to listen to. These pastors believe that the take-up serpent is a form of religious expression. In the King James Bible, Mark sixteen eighteen says, "They shall take up serpents." And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Question, is that in the Bible? Is that indeed in Mark 6, 8, 16, 18? Answer, yes. So, during that first article, my, just, I just wrote down a few observations. Number one, is this pastor a good guy? Probably so. He's a religious leader. He's a good guy. Probably so. I'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Amen. We haven't met him. Is he a sincere fellow? Sincere fellow? Yes. Number three, does he have some Bible truth to stand on? Yes, it just says on here, Mark 16. Right? But all those are true, all those, the answers are yes. But then my observation that I couldn't help but write number four over here is I wonder what others think of Christendom in general because of this news. Well, that was way back in 2014. Here's one that's closer to home. And again, not trying to be mean. Matter of fact, I blocked out all the names because this is a real heartache that happened to the family. And this is closer to our coast 
This is in, in California. This is from the Washington Post, December 19, 2019. So just last year. After a toddler's death, a church has tried for days to resurrect her with prayer. December 19, 2019. Music echoed throughout the cavernous space as hundred, hundreds of congregants of a church in California jumped up and down with their hands in the air at the front of the room. A worship leader danced around a stage lined with lit Christmas trees because it was December as giant screens played the song lyric, lyrics. Come alive, come alive, come alive, dry bones, awake, arise, inhale the light. I don't know that song, but that's what they were singing. The group was praying for a two-year-old baby who the church says unexpectedly stopped breathing on Saturday, but the worshipers were not praying for her soul to find rest or for her family to be healed. They were asking God to raise her from the dead. Time out. Can God raise people from the dead? Amen. Yeah. Sure. He's, he, he raised the Lord Jesus Christ up from the dead. Amen. So, well, let's go forward. The mom, worship leader, I'm sorry, the mom and the worship leader at the church and her husband called 911 when they realized their daughter was not breathing. The church leadership said in a statement, First responders tried to revive the baby at her home and at the hospital, but the church said she was pronounced dead at the same day. Her body was transferred to the coroner's office. That evening, the mom asked the church community to pray that her daughter would come back to life just as Christians believe. People were raised from the dead by Jesus Christ. So again, I'm not taking, this is a hard thing. I, you know, if it was, if this happened to us, we would be, you know, really sad as well, right? Quote, we are asking for bold, unified prayers from the global church to stand with us in belief that he will raise this little girl back to life. She wrote on Instagram alongside a, a photo of the baby. Her time here is not done. And it is our time to believe boldly and with confidence wield what King Jesus paid for. Unquote. So needless to say, and sadly, of course, for the family, that's why I'm trying to be respectful as, pos as, as respectful as possible. Of course, the baby did not come back to life. Again, when we asked the question earlier, is the Lord Jesus Christ able? Is, the Lord, is God able to, to raise up the dead? Yes, he done it, he's done it a number of times in the Bible. So let's go back to our observations. Are they good people? Sure. Are they sincere people? Sure. Do they have some Bible truth to stand on? Sure. And then my last observation was, I wonder what others think of Christendom in general because their prayers were not answered. See what I'm trying to get to? So a lot of good people, a lot of sincere people, have some sort of Bible truth to stand on. But can I tell you something? The devil also did back in Genesis chapter number 3. Right? Now let's go over to our, our text. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. The Bible says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, 
really subtle, this guy. So your mind should be corrupted from the what? Simplicity that is in Christ. It's simple. The Lord Jesus Christ did all the work, so we don't have to do it anymore. So it can be simple for us. Amen. Now, just as an example, what did, what did the serpent do in Genesis? Back in Genesis chapter number 3, verse 1 to 4. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, time out. If you're questioning the word of God to learn, praise God for that. But that's clearly not what's happening over here. The devil was questioning the word of God to try to disprove the word of God. Amen. So it starts there. And, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Number one, that's right. Correct. God said that. Number two, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, ye shall not eat of it. Number two, is that true? Yes. Neither shall ye touch it. Number three, did God say neither shall ye touch it? He did not say that. Now, I'm sure Eve was being sincere or Eve was being a good person. She had good intentions. Maybe she put that on her own self. You know what? God said, don't eat that, so I'm not going to touch it. But God did not say that. There was truth plus a little added untruth. Do you see that? God and, and, and uh, lest he die. And the serpent said unto the woman, it's happened from the beginning. It's still happening now. The serpent says, ye shall not surely die. You know what the devil is saying? You know that spiritual death thing? Don't worry about it. That's nothing. You shall not surely die. You're not really spiritually dead. That's not. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, are you still there? Yes. The Bible says, And he said unto me, My grace, what? Is sufficient. is sufficient for thee. It didn't say my grace was sufficient, but not anymore, did it? Didn't say my grace eh, will be kind of sufficient. It says, my grace is sufficient for thee, uh, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hence the title of our, our message, Simplicity, which is in Christ, and the sufficiency of His grace. I keep looking at the clock at 11.30. I know when we moved our time to 11 o'clock, we didn't, we also moved the end, right? <laughs> so, anyway, I'll keep going over here. Just throw a shoe at me if, you're, if we're ready, amen? <laughs> um, now, we know this verse. Ephesians, these verses, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved. Notice, that I actually highlighted, or, or this is, whenever there's a red there, that's not like, that this, is, this is emphasis mine. That's not the red letter edition of the Bible. 
Okay, this I'm just trying to emphasize something. Now, I I, I just tried to to uh, emphasize that because I've heard some people who are not very sure about their salvation or, or according to their own beliefs say that people cannot really know if they're saved or not. Sing the song Amazing Grace. Now you know the song Amazing Grace, how sweet a sound that saved past tense. A wretch like me. So I heard them, Brother Bill, one of them, sing, sing that song right, right there. And I said, so saved, past tense, a wretch like me. So does that mean, brother, that you're, that you're saved? Well, uh, nobody can really know that. But you just sang, saved, a wretch like me. <whistles> For by grace are ye saved. And God said that grace is sufficient. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. See, because if God's grace is not sufficient for us, we're going to keep adding works to it, right? Whatever that is. So, well... This doesn't really happen in many churches, but we're going to do it today. Ta-da! Surprise quiz. Well, the Bible says in Ephesians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Examine yourselves. So that's what we're going to do. Amen. Whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. So we're going to test ourselves. We're going to exam examine ourselves whether we be of the faith. Is that okay? Amen? <laughs> All right. So, First Baptist Church, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Surprise exam number one. Instructions. Answer questions quietly in your mind or write on a piece of paper. If you do that, please make sure that it's not your, your grocery list. All right? So you can write this down on a piece of paper or just, just write it down on, the, on a blank slate in your mind. Just please make sure that we're able to get back to it later on a piece of paper or remember it later on. All right? Number one, just write it down. Don't, you don't have to shout it out. Number one. Are you saved? Amen. Number two, what did you have to do to be saved? Write it down, either in your mind or in a piece of paper, because we're going to check it later on. And this has to be 100% for passing. Okay? By the way, uh, before we go forward, um, I was invited one time in a church uh, gathering. Or, or sorry, a, a preacher's fellowship in a church, of course. So I didn't know all the, the, the pastors over there. I thought it was just a, a, like a revival meeting, Brother Bill, or, or like a missions conference or Bible conference. I didn't know everyone over there was a pastor. Um, so what, you know, I sat right next to somebody and I said, hey, brother, good to be here. You know, all the small talk and stuff like that. Awesome. The fellowship, awesome. And then I said, hey, brother, are you saved? Same question, if you know this, right? And you know what this guy did? 
bowed up and said, Do you not know who I am? <laughs> well, the answer is no, because I probably wouldn't have asked him that just out of respect if, you know, if, if I did. But think of that answer for a minute. And then let's, what if, say for example, if you visited my house or if I visited your house, say for example, you visited my house and then you asked me, Francis, are you married to Katie? Imagine if my answer was like, huh, do you know who I am? Or how dare you ask me that? In my own house? Or what a foolish question. Or let's talk about something else. Are you, are you married to Katie? Let's talk about something else. <laughs> what would that say? What would that tell you? Or, and I'm sure all of you have, known, have, have had this conversation when you ask somebody a question that is just answerable by a yes or a no, and then they start talking for about five minutes, and then after five minutes, they, you still haven't gotten a clear answer? Chances are they probably don't know the answer. Um, or I, if I say, you know, Francis, are you married to Katie? You know, I try my best every day. You know, all weddings lead to Katie. <laughs> or how about this? Francis, are you married to Katie? Well, can anyone know for sure? <laughs> Brother, Brother Bill, are you married to Sister Ingrid? Well, can anyone know for sure? What kind of an answer is that? So, people get offended. Why would people get offended in a Christian Bible-believing church when we talk about salvation? Hello. So, look at this. People think that's a foolish question. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. But the natural man, so somebody who's not saved, the natural man Receive it not the things of the Spirit of God, because he's not saved, he's spiritually dead. So only his flesh, which gives him what consciousness? Self, or sorry, this flesh gives him world consciousness. Does not, uh, receive it not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what? Foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So if you ask somebody, are you saved? And they say, can anyone really know it? The Bible says they cannot know it because they are natural men and they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually dead. Getting quiet in here. Let's go forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18 to 21. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That's why by the grace of the living God, praise God with you know, our services right here and Brother Bill's services on Wednesday nights, we do our best to preach the word. 
the word and the Lord Jesus Christ crucified for other churches, that's foolishness. Amen. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is, not was, by the way, unto us which are saved. It's not, it was the power of God. It's not, it will be the power of God. It is the power of God. Now, skip over to verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Here we go, thinking caps. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that are baptized. To save them that are a member of First Baptist Church, Coeur d'Alene. To save them that give to charity. To save them that believe. Yes. Amen. So, because of that, you have your answers, right? Whether in your, in your head or in your paper. Some of you probably didn't take the test at all. No credit for you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> all right, so... Um, so let's talk about the Bible. Or sorry, the gospel. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the what? The gospel of God. For it is the power of God, a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what is the power of God unto salvation? I know, we're, I know uh, the... The topic of the different kinds of gospel is a, di is a different topic for a different time. But for us right now, there's only one kind of gospel that saved us. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, listen to this. Many Christians today do not know what the gospel is. If you ask them, what's the gospel? Well, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's true. They're the synoptic gospels. But... That's not the gospel that it's talking about over here. Well, what's the gospel? It's the good news. That's true too, but what good news about what? That my team won. Jesus died and rose. That's the gospel that we're talking about. Praise God. Second, if you don't listen to this, and that's why I ask you to write it down or write it down in your head. The problem is, if people don't know what the gospel is, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 says what? If the gospel, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. Lost. When you're trying to share the word of God, trying to share salvation to other people, please be sure you're talking about the gospel. Please take the time. Amen. Now, some people, you've shared it to them. But maybe they've heard it before. Uh, some people, they really need to, to hear it because maybe their view of the gospel is just the good news. And then they don't know what the good news is. It's that Christ, that's where our gospel is found. It's like Miss Ingrid said earlier. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 verse 1 to 4. Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the what? Gospel. The gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received. We're still good with time, right? 
Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what, what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received. Here's the gospel by which we are saved. Ready? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Notice that the gospel starts in the scriptures and ends in the scriptures. There is no extra biblical gospel. Amen. Do you mean to say, Brother Francis, that believing this gospel alone will get me saved? Amen. Praise God. But time out. I didn't say that. It was the Bible who said that. <laughs> Read and think about this verse. Ephesians 1.13. I'm skipping so many things just to get to it through it. Ephesians 1.13. In whom ye also trusted. When did ye trust? After that ye heard the word of truth, the what? Gospel, gospel of, our of your salvation. In whom also after that ye what? Believe. Believe. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So that's what I said earlier. Brother, Brother Bill mentioned it. Yeah, the Bible says that. You mean to tell me, Brother Francis, after you believe what the Lord Jesus Christ is, death, burial, and resurrection, you mean to tell me I'm saved? I don't have to add anything to it? Well, let me ask you this. After you believe, what happened? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Did it say after you were baptized? No. Did it say after you become a member of First Baptist Church? Did it say anything else other than believe? No. Amen. So, that's it. Do I need to pray? Do I need to be baptized? Do, you, do I need to be a member of this church? In addition to that, well, let me ask you this. Or let me show you this real quick. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 to 7 says, I marvel um, that ye are soon removed from him that called you into, into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. <gasps> There's another gospel out there? <gasps> Good question, Sister Maria. <laughs> There's another gospel out there? Yeah. What is that other gospel? Here it is. I'm, we're going to have some mathematical ex uh, equations over here. What is that other gospel? It is not, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? So, if the devil... We don't have our young people over here, our youth over here, but they're probably listening online. Listen, teenagers, if the devil is going to entice you with the man or the woman of your dreams, they're not going to entice you. The devil's not going to entice you with something that does not resemble the man of your dreams. If the devil is going to entice you with a false Bible, he's not going to entice you with a Bible that says the gospel of Satan. He's going to entice you with a Bible that says the Holy Bible, but with changes here and there. The devil is wise. He's subtle, remember? Same thing, if the devil is going to entice you with another gospel, he's not going to change it altogether. It's not another gospel. It's the same gospel, but what? Perverted. 
would perversion. Yes, sir. But what is a perversion? What does the word perversion mean? Perversion means adding or subtracting everything, right? So according to that verse, the correct gospel plus perversion, sorry, plus any perversion is another gospel. So with that, correct, the correct gospel plus or minus anything else is another gospel. If you add something to the gospel, whatever it is. If you subtract something from the gospel, whatever it is, no matter how great sounding it is, no matter how sincerely sounding it is, if you add or subtract something to the correct gospel, God calls it another gospel. And what does the Bible say? Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we... Then that um, which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Even if an angel comes down and says, Step aside, Brother Francis, I'm going to preach a different gospel. It sounds like the same gospel, but you have to add this. You have to do that. You know what the Bible says? Let him be accursed. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian, does it? You ready? Here's the preaching, then I'm done. <laughs> you ready? Man, I've heard all my life that churches want preachers that pull no punches. And then they get offended whenever the preacher does not pull a punch. <laughs> so, buckle up, hold on to something, here we go. This is why we guard our church and our teaching. This is why we guard our pulpit. This is why we guard our families. This is why we put the Bible first before anything else. Amen. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus was knocking in the door of the Laodicean church. In that church, everything else is welcome. Everyone can come as they are and are never expected to change. Everything in the name of some distorted definition of the word love. Every intellect posing joker face who can impress by, singing, by stringing together a few Greek words so he can correct the Bible. Every modern liberal rock and roll singing lip-wristed GQ looking preacher who promises that you get rich. Or that God would heal you as soon as you send them a check for $50 for the shipping and handling of their book that does not tell you about the Bible and the gospel. This is why the Bible, not me. Man, I wish I could just be friends with everyone. Contrary to popular belief. Hey, ask my wife. I'm a friendly person. <laughs> I'm more of like an introvert, I guess, if you will. But I wish we could just be friends with everyone. But God said there is a reason to separate when they preach a different gospel. Woo! So let's go back. Everyone, Revelation chapter number 3 verse 20. Everyone is welcome in that church. Except for the Lord Jesus Christ who said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Everything else is welcome. The Lord Jesus Christ is out there. So let's go back to our quiz and look at our answers, shall we? Number one, and then we're done. Are you saved? Amen. What did you do to be saved? I just believed. Amen. 
Well, remember my story before? Remember my story before when I said, I thought I was saved. I got to be saved. I keep con convincing myself, giving an excuse to myself, saying, I've got to be saved. I prayed a prayer. I asked Jesus to come into my heart without knowing the gospel whatsoever. I've got to be saved. I'm a song leader. I've got to be saved. I'm a youth leader. What did you have to do to be saved? The simplicity in Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, which is the gospel. Is it sufficient for you? Amen. Or are you adding something else to it? In July of 2007, and then I'm done, an elite group of soldiers, all officers of the Philippine Military Academy, called the Magdalo Group, conducted the mutiny against the Philippine government. This would be equivalent to the officers, the high-ranking officers who graduated from like West Point or Annapolis or Colorado. They were quelled, their mutiny was quelled, and later they were imprisoned. I had the privilege, praise God, of visiting one of them in jail and sharing the gospel to him. An hour or maybe an hour and a half into just telling him about the gospel, giving him verse by verse, he stopped me and says, Francis, he asked me a question. I can't remember the exact words, but it was sort of like this. He said, you mean to tell me that if I abandon any belief that I can do anything to save myself and just trust in Jesus Christ and his death, what he did, what he did his death, burial, and resurrection, you mean to tell me if I believe that and nothing else, I'm saved? I, I said the same thing earlier, Brother Bill. Well, I didn't say that. It was the Bible who said It's the Bible who said that. And he did this. His face lit up in what seems like a blind man seeing for the first time and said, So I'm saved. I'm saved. And the transaction so quickly was made when at the cross I believed. Can you see the importance, ladies and gentlemen? Anything else that you add into that gospel makes it another gospel. What are you trusting today? What are you trusting? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your words. I ask, dear God, that if this is the last message, whether you come, um, come back, or and take us away, take us to heaven, or, you know, I die or you lead me somewhere else. Let this message be of importance to everyone that your salvation is so important. If there's anyone here who does not know for sure that they're saved, please, dear God, let them know for sure. Please help them to deal with it as soon as possible and help us to be a blessing to them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.